This is Statement Piece, the podcast. My name's Sita. And my name's Sophie. Welcome to the new era of the podcast, where we talk about everything from Nepo babies to middle school fashion nightmares. Stay tuned. And today we're going to talk about an event that has been making waves in the news world recently. And it's not any of the SCOTUS rulings, just <laughs> just to flag that. Something slightly less dramatic, but is still pretty, like, not quite the Titanic submarine. But like a couple steps below <laughs> in terms of it's how, you know, tragic it is on the one hand and right for also kind of hilarity and mockery. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, we're talking about the recent viral Shein influencer trip that has gotten quite a bit of backlash. Yes, yes. It's interesting because I associate Shein with the epitome of fast fashion, this mm -hmm. huge internet company and never thought that they would be the ones to fund an influencer trip. I really think the companies that try to organize and curate an influencer trip are people who are really trying to curate their demographic and create community and have almost these ambassadors of their brand. But this trip was not necessarily the case. Usually when you get these advertisements and these spawn con or whatever it's really just about showing off the product and like what the product can do and you've seen that all the time with Shein hauls and you know where people buy a ton of stuff from Shein which as you mentioned is like I think when people think fast fashion it's like Shein is the thing that comes to mind obviously such a just a giant retailer that turns out so much stuff constantly but they're always about showing off the clothes or showing off how you can wear it, the new styles that are on the site. This one was kind of more, a, this like trip was more about, you know, showing off like the ethics of the company, which just get a little murky if you even give it a little Google. <laughs> yes, which is why I'm so shocked that a company that already has so many ethical trials and tribulations is then putting itself on blast on the social media stage to be judged. So before we get into it, I just want to know, Sophie, what are your thoughts on Shein in general? Do you have any experiences with Shein product? Have you ever ordered from it? I've never ordered from Shein. That being said, have I bought from Forever 21 and like Topshop? Yes. You know, I still feel like even though I've bought those things, I can, which are basically of the same quality because Shein on the one hand is nothing new, right? Like it's the same giant mass market, uber cheap fast fashion retailer, just like dialed up to a hundred. However, I do have this one jacket that I've never worn and regret buying. And it's from Shein, but I didn't get it from Shein. I got it on Depop. And I think, I think that one of the things that I was under the impression of is that, you know how like, like there's some, not a lot, but there's some things from Topshop that I bought in like middle school. We all know how much I hate throwing away clothes that I still own and still wear. Yes, usually as sleep shirts, but they are still intact. And so sometimes none of the stuff is the highest quality, but it's not like bad. Like it's not falling apart. Like every, and I think that I wasn't in tune with how insane things have gotten because when I did eventually get the jacket, I was like, oh, this, I've made a, a horrible error in purchasing this. I was like, okay, 
never again. This is not the, this is not like Forever 21. This is somehow way, way worse. What about you, Sita? (laughs) I have never personally ordered from Shein. However, I do know similar brands such as Pretty Little Thing, Misguided, once Nasty Gal got bought, they have all kind of shifted into becoming a very similar fast fashion online retailer. And similarly to you, I have shopped at H&M, Forever 21, Zara, the likes. As I've become more of a conscious consumer, I feel like I've tried to reduce my purchasing there. Or if I am going to purchase there, it's going to be something where I really do see lasting power and I'm looking at the composition or whatever it may be. I just see that it's going to be in my closet for a while. But I do know some people when I was in college, that was the first time that I saw people actually ordering from these sites. And I think a lot of it is because when you're young, you don't have a lot of purchasing power. And so it allows you to kind of buy a lot of going out tops or trendy things that you know you're not going to really need a lot of wear out of. You don't need it to last long. And it's more so just a fun thing that maybe you'll wear one time and it's not going to break the bank. Do I think that's a great thing? No. But I do think for people who don't have any other option and they want the freedom to be able to express themselves in that way, I can see where she and maybe the solution for them. Yeah, I definitely see what you mean about going out and wanting that specific top. Because in de- college, I definitely bought from like Nasty Gal, like ASOS, you know, the the going out tops where you're like, I'm going to go to some kind of crusty college party and things are going to get spilled and I'm going to sweat. It's this very fine balance of not acting like you care or being too flashy, but also looking cute. And I think Shein kind of exemplifies that where you can, yeah, you can sweat in their clothes, you could do whatever, because it costs like an insanely low amount of money. Uh, I also think something that's interesting is the speed at which they churn out so many different looks. I think it was on E! News and or something similar so like a similar like celebrity gossip type of outlet they would always present okay here's the red carpet look and here instantly a day later you can get it online your own version of it and i think then if you are someone who is kind of receiving the trickle down effect of what's going down the runway or what's being seen on the red carpet then you are going to be able to have access to these looks and these ideas or concepts at a much cheaper, cheaper price point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult though in this instance, because we are, we do often talk or talk about Shein and accessibility. And I think one of the things that like prevents people from really going as hard on Shein is the fact that like people, there's some people who literally don't have any other options or where Shein is like the cheapest thing. I've never been, thankfully, in such dire straits financially, but I'm sure given the amount of options, like there are other ways to shop at any income bracket. And there are like, we're in, there's such a broad economy right now for clothes, like whether it's, you know, Depop or Poshmark or eBay of ordering like very cheap clothes that aren't necessarily Shein, but I do think like there is a need to be sensitive around that. But in this instance, it's not necessarily people who were like on the border of being homeless and like needing to get that one thing like or running out of cash. And these people weren't desperate. They are influencers who went on this trip. And I think that 
that is why people are getting so upset at them versus getting mad at just and I mean, people still do this, but getting mad at the people who just buy Shein to buy Shein and why it's somehow so much worse. And I'm curious, Sita, if, is there any company where you feel like you might, that you might chill out for that you would just say, okay, cool. I'm going to go on your trip and exchange. I'll like post all this stuff. And just so I can get like a free, a free, like little gift or whatever. I was thinking about this a lot because as someone who is constantly analyzing the influencer and creator economy and as an audience member, not as a participant, I think it's just so interesting to see one, what people come up with and two, what type of brand deals they go for. And one of my dear friends, Ellen Kim, you can find her at Ellen Kim, is a growing micro-influencer and seeing her kind of go through what type of brand deals she decides to go for or even in-person events, how do you decide which brands you align with? And I think for her, a lot of them are brands that she has already been a consumer or a customer of, such as Missouri. I do think if you have a platform, and I think this is something that influencers have a hard time grappling with, is that if you have an audience, you do have to be careful about what you're promoting. Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking about this a lot in the sense of recently, I've been trying to just be more green and eco-friendly about the types of products that I'm using, whether it be beauty or household cleaners. And if a company such as a beauty company was like, oh, can you test these things out? I would love to. Like, I feel like I'm someone who like loves to try out new things. But then do I want to promote that knowing that the products may have harmful chemicals in them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, that's kind of difficult. Yeah. How about you, Sophie? Oh, my gosh. Have you ever heard of the brand Fashion Brand Company? Wait, some of their stuff is really fun. I got these leggings. And you know how there's like the no pants trend? Yeah. I love that. (laughs) These like... But it's a legging attached. So like it's you put it I on, see. but it, it looks like you're wearing, wearing nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like I can literally wear rock the no pants trend while still wearing pants. And I'm like, wow. I'm trying to get like a matching green like top so that it looks mm. like I'm wearing a unitard. <laughs> mm, I love that. Yeah. I don't know if there's a brand that I am so aligned with that I would, but I feel like bigger household names such as Revolve or even a department store. Ooh, I would do a department store. I do like Essence or Farfetch or something. Ooh, yes. Why didn't even think of that? Yes. Like Essence, Farfetch, Moda Operandi, 100%. If they were like, we want to send you on a brand trip, I would be there. Oh my gosh. I could see that. I feel like I want that for you in your future. I want. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough of that rambling. I feel like that is a conversation that could go on forever. But let's get into a little bit of the history and what Shein actually is after the break. Welcome back, listeners. So I'm going to give a little bit of a rundown 
of what Shein is. So Shein is a Chinese brand. It was originally founded in 2011 by this specialist named Chris Zhu. He is a search engine optimization specialist, which I think is quite interesting. It was originally called Inside and adopted the name Shein when they were rebranded in 2015. It has really taken off and has recently been valued at approximately over 100 billion US dollars, which is insane. And their main goal is to making fashion affordable and accessible to everyone. However, as we know, and as we've mentioned, that has been alongside a lot of controversies and scandals. Over the past four years, the popularity of Shein has really risen and especially over coronavirus when shopping online was not only a form of entertainment but also came out of necessity and during that time so from 2020 to 2022 there's been a jump from a 12 percent share of u.s fast fashion sales to 50 percent on behalf of shein and what makes it different is really that shein is really fast in comparison to its competitors, so bringing knockoffs or quote-unquote dupes of very popular items, its volume, and its low prices. It's interesting because a lot of articles about the influencer trip and everything actually talk about how the trip is in preparation for them to go public, and it's kind of this last hurrah and last chance at bringing some goodwill or good press for Shein. Now let's go to the scandal side. Yes, you were mentioning that this trip is necessary for Shein because it it needs good press and it really, really does need better press. You know, as popular as it is, obviously it's gotten also a lot of like pushback. Even prior to this trip, you know, one of the things that anyone could probably tell you about Shein is that not only is it synonymous with fast fashion, fast fashion is synonymous with exploitation and environmental destruction. And obviously Shein is no different. It is entrenched and very much a part of that world. I have a couple other stats just speaking to its scale, but it has about 6,000 clothing factories in China. And between July and December of 2021, anywhere between 2,000 and 10,000 individual styles to its app each day. When you think about just the logistics of a company, a single company, putting out that many new styles, having that much inventory, you know, it ships all across the globe and is based, I think it's the company is based in Singapore, but it looks like it still has factories in China or mm-hmm. has a history of having factories in China, which China is a country that pollutes a lot. The cost of even shipping these garments from China to the U.S. takes a lot of fuel. You know, how do these garments get here? That's a very difficult process on the environment as well. And then it's been kind of mysterious about a lot of the workings behind it. You know, they've kind of given lip service to the idea that they're a good employer and that they believe in fair pay for all, for instance, and wages and benefits above the industry average. but Apparently, there was a 2019 report that found that some sewers were paid as little as $2.77 an hour, which was far below minimum wage. And a lot of its even environmental reports are vague, although it says it's working 
to ensure, you know, it's like supply chain levels are compliant with what it calls the Sheehan code of conduct. Like there's no concrete action, I think, that really is trying to like back it up or concrete action rather that shows that it's actually like making a difference. And on the one hand, when you think about and you see all these like pictures of landfills that are just covered in clothes, at the end of the day, you can have clothing out of almost anything. But if you keep on buying it and you keep on making it, it's just going to produce more waste. So it's really kind of a hard thing to get out of because as we've established, consumption, overconsumption, fast, fast creation and fast marketing of these products on a bulk scale is like its business model. It's kind of hard to like get away from that. It's also kind of contending with the fact that there's been like numerous reports that have come out from multiple different sources that really target and look at like all of its failings. So there was an investigation from Wired that looked at how labors and consumers suffered from the production of its clothes. A UK Channel 4 documentary found that she and employees were working 75 hour shifts, shifts with very little time off. And then a documentary called Inside the Sheehan Machine actually sent undercover cameras to film factory workers who were forced to pull 17-hour shifts to make 100 garments in a day. This was the first time that there was actual video evidence of what was happening on the inside. Yes. And then lastly, there was a switch, Swiss watchdog, Public Eye, which had another detailed report that accused Sheehan of violating child labor laws. And I think one of the things that they found was actually that that Sheehan was running informal factories set up in residential buildings. So it's just like so much craziness, insanity. I believe even the government has gotten involved. Let me just double check my sources, but I'm pretty sure that Sheehan has been investigated by the government for accusations of forced labor. Yeah, so Xi'an's reliance on Chinese suppliers also means that maybe some of its clothing contains textiles from Xinjiang, which is the region known for really using a lot of forced labor by the Uyghur population, which is a Muslim population. And in December, President Biden signed a law barring the import of any products made in Xinjiang because of this oppressed forced labor and that went into effect in June because Shein's packages are usually sent by mail instead of on shipping containers it's actually really hard to enforce this law so they are they could be essentially breaking the law yeah and this is like you know you like you said President Biden has gotten involved so I have a CNN article in front of me that was that talks about how Shein was actually, named specifically in this issue of like weeding out where is eager forced labor present in our clothing and in like Chinese imports. And actually in a letter to the Securities and Exchange Commission, a bipartisan group of 22 House of Representative members asked the SEC to require that she and certify that any of its pro- any of its products that are made in China do not utilize Uyghur forced labor. So you know, you think about how hard it is to get a bipartisan coalition on anything, but Xi'an has managed to do that, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> you know, as we've said, all of this stuff, you know, me and Sita have been able to Google pretty quickly. But, you know, obviously the backlash and as we were talking about makes this trip really different from a lot of other trips is that this trip was about taking these 
influencers and showing them a quote unquote sleeve that tour did not showcase any of the things that we mentioned and anyone with you know sense about them with critical thinking as one person I think on Twitter said could realize that that's probably on purpose like they're not going to take you to the the real factory the factory that's you know shows them in their worst light possible that is to say even if what the influencer saw was in fact an actual Shein factory it would given it all of the this track record it would be crazy to walk into that space and not think or question what you were seeing but I think that's what I feel like a lot of people feel like happened on this trip and that's what's kind of flabbergasted everybody yeah definitely so to give some background on this influencer trip that we've been talking about it was over four days there were six influencers named Danny Carbonari, Destine Sadath, Ojene, Fernanda, Stephanie Campuzano, Kenya Freeman, and Marina Salvedra and they have all been described in a Shein Instagram post as partners. And they basically toured the city, kind of documented their accounts of this factory that was owned by one of um, one of the brand's manufacturing partners, plus what was called an innovation center and a warehouse. And I think not only did the content come across as propaganda to audience members, but also that it was almost a bad look on these influencers for going on this trip. And what would they expect and how could they represent a company that is well known and has been proven to have all of these really, really big controversies? And I think it just brings up this idea of not only is Shein trying to change their backlash or whatever, what are influencer ethics? And when do people at home realize that it may be propaganda and it may not be organic material. Yeah, I I was thinking a lot about that because I think it's one thing, you know, most of the time, like we said, like when you see an influencer and they're hawking a product, you know, they're giving maybe like a subjective review. They're saying like, oh, the color is really, really pretty. And on the one hand, like, I believe everything is political. So if you're hawking Shein by saying the clothes are really nice, you know, that is political and supporting the company. But this feels like extra political because not only are, you know, these influencers making claims about Shein's products, which, you know, you can hypothetically make a good product under exploitative conditions. But when you get into, when you have them walk right into this trap of, you know, or have them let themselves walk into this trap of defending you on a political level. And it's obviously gotten to a political level because we've talked about how literal politicians have gotten involved with the production and have raised concerns about the production of some of Shein's garments, then it becomes something different. And I think it's like, I think it, it starts to reach a level that I don't know that influencers can even, are even necessarily equipped to handle, although they should be. Like, these are just, on the one hand, right, these are just like, I think mostly young women who, you know, just got a free, like, like what we talked about at the beginning, like got a free trip to China for four days, like all expenses paid. And we're like, yay, let's go, you know, let's go have fun and tour and maybe get a freebie. But the trip actually required them to do a lot of like deeper scrutiny and, you know, 
that I don't think they, that I don't think is compatible with like the influencer lifestyle of accepting all this money from brands and just always constantly putting on a happy face and acting like everything is, is rosy. Cause Mm. the situation is just to to deny that, to not even educate yourself is just, is just flat out wrong. Yeah. And I do think you do see that consumer shift, right? Like I think when there was the first influencer boom and that first generation of influencers, including Ami Song, Daniel Bernstein, and the, the like, before micro influencers were a thing I think that was when brand deals first became a thing but then because it's so prevalent now actually seeing what is organic content and what people actually use and where brand voices are aligned with creators I think that speaks more so to consumers i also think it was weird during this trip that some of the influencers were saying oh i can't believe they weren't even breaking a sweat and when i asked the workers about child labor laws and if they work 18 hour shifts they just had questioned looks on their faces <laughs> this seems like a complete lie and just a production that was put on for these visitors, which does happen. I remember one of Statement Piece's first episodes was with the creator of Arrow and Phoenix, a swim brand. And the founder talked about how when she went to factories, you would see kind of, you know, a very nice upfront kind of showroom and factory space where you could see how things were made. And it was really nice. But behind closed doors, there was a lot that wasn't seen and I think if that can happen in the United States it could definitely happen all across the world and it's not like we haven't heard of that before I think to add on to that why she in and kind of piggyback onto what you were saying Sophie that these influencers kind of have like a blissful ignorance in a way and that like how do they know any better I think for consumers and people watching this content, it's easy to harp on this trip because Shein is a huge company. And because of their size and because of their large amount of controversies, it's easy to identify. But we're not applying that same eye to a lot of other companies where this is happening. No, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's totally true. And I think that the other thing, though, is that you know, there's this interesting power dynamic that I feel like is kind of shifting where early on influencers were more using brands. And I feel like now it feels more clear that like brands are using influencers. And by that, I mean, there was a lot of, you know, on the one hand, I feel like we've seen a lot of like very deceptive influencer marketing in a lot of different industries. Like there were all those celebrities that got fined for doing very secret like crypto ads and then you know there's always like some celebrities you can like pick a kardashian i feel like one of them is getting called out for doing like spawn that isn't spawn i listened to this one podcast like called who weekly that talks about celebrities and they were talking about celebrities who would go on a cruise or whatever and say thanks royal cruises but it wasn't technically spawn because they weren't they might not have been paid to post it, but they might have been given freebies. You know, that's the whole reason why you now have to do a like hashtag ad for all the stuff. Is because- yeah, the nuances are hard. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like you have to, you have to be upfront and people were trying to, they were trying to not be upfront. And so on the one hand, like being a business and thinking of this as a business is important and knowing the norms of your industry is important, which is why it's like some responsibility obviously falls on the influencers for not being smart and critical of this trip that they were going on. 
And because being critical should actually be part of their job. Being bit, uh, they are a business. They're not just people, even though that's what they sell is their idea of themselves as like a person. But at the same time, you know, one of the things that Sheehan has gotten called out for it, you know, I actually feel like this trip is like the most Sheehan thing that could have happened because they went so big and struck so hard and it got and failed so much and caused so much damage in their wake. But as you like a lot of the influencers who they brought on on this trip were from marginalized backgrounds, whether they were women of color or plus size women. And then now they're just like, kind of hung out to dry and getting blasted they're like not suit none of them are like super famous and it's kind of very reminiscent of like dylan mulvaney the trans influencer and celebrity who got a bud light sponsorship there's there was conservative backlash she got death threats and harassed and then i think she recently just said like bud light never reached out to her it's like these companies don't actually end up caring that much about influencers because they're just see them as a venue for marketing and as a means to get profits 100 percent. i think i actually don't really have much to add to that because i think it, like you're exactly right highlighting the point that these are just a venue or vehicle for having a different voice or showing a story where it doesn't seem genuine for the company to do it, I think is the main problem with influencer marketing today. Yeah. And how does that change? Well, I don't know. I think it's like, I think it's just difficult. Like I think about Ellen a lot and like, you know, those micro influencers who are, you know, Ellen, like shout out to Ellen. <laughs> it's so funny that we're talking about her this much, but listening to the podcast and be like, like Gloria meme, like, wait, is this about me? <laughs> no, <it's funny. laughs> but like, Ellen has a full-time job and like mm-hmm. she's doing influencer stuff on top of this being like a full-time job and being an influencer it is work it's like hard and it's hard work and you're not necessarily you know gonna get like paid for every hour you're gonna probably put in a lot of free labor to like reap the rewards of it so like this and trying to make relationship with brand relationships with brands is part of the business but then there's also like again the the sense of like the scrutiny that you also have to have and the energy that you also have to bring to, you know, balance forming relationships with brands and being a a marketer and an influencer with also like self-preservation and saying no to stuff when you're in such a vulnerable position can be like really hard. A hundred percent. And I feel like that doesn't even just apply to the influencer industry. Like I remember graduating from college and anyone who went into finance was seen as a sellout, especially for people who aren't particularly passionate about finance. And I think that's just another parallel where you see like sometimes if you're in a situation where having financial security drives your decisions, then it makes a lot of sense why you would do that. And I don't think anyone's to blame for that. I just think it's a little more difficult when you're, you have an audience and you have influence. That's the thing is like, it's, it's an interesting power dynamic because it's like, on the one hand, yes, these people have power. If these people didn't have any power, right? Like they wouldn't be invited on the influencer trip. But mm-hmm. again, it's how do you use that power? I think I've seen a headline of like one influencer saying like she made a mistake and she regrets it. There's some influencers who have completely doubled down, which is, you know, unfortunate. But it's like also that desire to be seen and to be accepted and to want to, to feel like, oh my God, this brand is paying attention to me. I feel so special. And so, you know, 
seen, if you're not often seen, I think, or don't often feel like that, it can be hard to say, actually, wait a sec, this is just more exploitation. It's just kind of like it has a different face on it. It's just a more charming kind of exploitation. A hundred percent, especially when you have even like these brand dinners and whatnot, like you're being wined and dined as if it's like a scam artist. It's like the Tinder swindler. Yeah, yeah. I also get just like so frustrated sometimes how it's like all roads lead back to just like economic impoverishment. Mm. And the fact that, yes, on the one hand, like maybe I'm becoming less empathetic, but like, you know, the people who just are obviously like poor or can't afford anything except exception, I guess. But like at a certain point, when you buy into Xi'an, you're also perpetuating, you know, the economic subordination of all the workers there who aren't making minimum. And then, but then like you're, you know, you're shilling for the big company because you're financially insecure but then you're perpetuating fi- more financial insecurity. So it's like, at a certain point, I know, I, I do feel like the buck has to stop. Obviously, it would be great if like Shein was just no more and those business practices weren't. But like, it has to, it can't come, like, they're not going to just stop. Like, it has to come from somewhere else. I also think it's hard because there's the raising, rising cost of living yeah. everywhere, right? And unfortunately, something has to give in the larger pie of people's expenses. And if that's fashion where it may not be a necessity, that could be seen. I, I don't know. That could be understandable. But I do think even with Zara, I've seen the prices rise, but I've also seen them have different fabric compositions and I do think that's also something to pay attention to because when we're thinking environmentally like even be seen as greenwashing at least there's some attention brought to the fact that clothing and wasting clothing is a problem and it's fashion is one of the most wasteful industries in the world currently Mm -hmm. and if impoverishment isn't going to drive it hopefully the world that we live on and the quality of our our life and our environment will in some way because I don't know like you see like the smog that we had in New York City a couple weeks ago like that was insane for everyone to have to go through and for people who maybe didn't have a mask or air purifiers you're really going to feel the repercussions of that but all these things are tied to pollution from other facets of how we live our lives and i think but i think it's like almost like you said like sheen rose during the pandemic when things were the hardest and i think sometimes it's almost like when things are hard it's the most difficult to give up the non-necessities mm. like give you joy like well, getting- that was like we've talked about it in a couple episodes before it's called lipstick effect or something like even in the hardest in economic times a woman will always still buy lipstick or a beauty product no matter what the cost is because mm-hmm. having that small little luxury provides so much joy and positivity and makes you feel like you have like some control over something than not so even though it's a small sacrifice it's not like a big sacrifice like you're buying a handbag or something i think it's also about like to some extent like dignity too Mm -hmm. like not being able to afford a home not being able to you know i think a lot of people our age or whatever had the idea of like oh at 30 my life's gonna look like this when they were like 10 years old mm-hmm. obviously when you're 10 what you think 30 is going to be is probably going to be very different from what 30 will actually be but I think we're so far off from like the paradigms are so completely different from what we've ever expected that I think sometimes there's a shame 
that I think people feel and like obviously Gen Z millennials are like having major mental health issues and I think that that's that part of it is because we're upset and sad that you know life isn't working out the way we thought it was going to be and we have all these hurdles and so you know we're reverting back to like you know creature comforts and stuff yeah it's interesting because if you just think about the scope of this episode even right like you can really dig into the psyche of people in our age demographic in North America. Yeah. There's just so much there. And I think that really goes to show that if we're reading headlines about something such as a an influencer trip by one of the most controversial giant companies in the world currently, just I mean, sometimes we need to take a magnifying glass and see why that is because there's a lot more to pay attention to. I think also, again, I do think that those influencers should be called out because I do think there was like very serious errors in judgment in doing that. But like you said, bringing a magnifying glass, talking about what we talked about at the beginning, not that like it's you can say like, oh, well, we're, we're not any better. Therefore, we sh- can't have that conversation. But I think maybe not just focusing on those influencers and tying it to something broader that is like, you know, what are the conditions that created this trip that made these people think that it would be a good idea to go on this trip? And does any of that exist within our own behavior or the behavior like at large? Definitely. Well, I think that gives a lot of food for thought and a great place to end. I think it also opens up another can of worms of what we could possibly talk about in the future, just because there's so many different angles to this entire influencer trip in the creator economy in general. If anyone has any topics that they would particularly like us to discuss, please let us know. We're open to any feedback, comments, concerns. And Sophie, as always, it is a great time speaking with you. Great time speaking with you too, Sita. love these glasses i love this look (laughs) Alrighty. well i'll catch you in the next episode yeah bye